Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hey, guys. We are a supernatural horror podcast where we tell each other stories that are allegedly true. Sometimes we have a drink to make it a little bit more fun. And we're coming at you with our first episode of the new year. 2022 is totally here, and we got a whole year of fun stories waiting for you guys. Yeah. We hope you guys had a great new year, however you celebrate. I hope it was safe and everything turned out well. You know it's going to be a good year when you wake up hungover. Oh, yes. In fact, we didn't just wake up with a hangover. We woke up and had to rush to a house viewing the next day. (laughs) So I don't recommend it. It's pretty awful. It's hard to be objective about a house when you have a headache and a powerful need for water. And you're kind of like slightly mad at everything. So things that might have not bothered you as much before are going to totally irritate the hell out of you. And you're going to forget all the things you're supposed to check. Yeah, basically it didn't go so well. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't get the house anyway, so we bid on it. But we didn't <laughs> yeah, get it. it didn't matter anyway. It's so, fine. But uh, I've got a big story for you today. But it looks Woo-hoo. like it looks like you've got a story too. So you should kick it off first, as always. Keep the tradition. Keep the tradition going. So yeah, actually, my story for today is the Jersey Devil. I decided to do this story because our friend Sean, who currently lives in New Jersey, came down to visit in December, and as a gift for us and the show, he gave us a book called Weird New Jersey, Your Travel Guide to New Jersey's Local Legends and Best Kept Secrets. So, good morning, Sean. We figured you're probably listening to this on the way to work, so what's up? Be safe. Enjoy your day. And enjoy your coffee that you are definitely drinking right now. Uh, Yeah, so I'm very excited, and it had this whole section about the Jersey Devil just the most popular story, I think, probably from New Jersey. I, it actually had a lot of information of other stuff, which I'm planning on using for sure. And uh, yeah, have you ever heard of this cryptid? Uh, well, in a roundabout way. So like, I didn't know it was actually a specific cryptid because if I'm not mistaken, the hockey team of New Jersey, they're the devils. They are, yes. So I'm assuming the hockey team is named after this monster <laughs> now. I didn't know that. I just thought it was... You know, oh, hockey, Jersey Devils, big thing. I mean, that's like Kevin Smith's team and the whole comic book men are all into it and everything like that. Yeah. So I've heard the name, didn't know it was supposed to be a real monster. Yes, it is a real monster. It's like being called La Llorona or something. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> Jersey, Jersey's Rona. Yes, I think it's like their Yorona for sure. And yeah, so it's most often... <laughs> La Llorona Shore. La Llorona Shore. Oh, God, that's like a tongue twister. The Jersey Devils also referred to as Leeds Devil, Devil of Leeds, or Phantom of the Pines. So it kind of goes by many names because of its historical background. So this one's old school. It's super old. Yeah. The Jersey Devil is most often seen hanging out in the Pines Barren, which is a heavily wooded area in New Jersey. I can say hanging out like he's just chilling. Yeah. He's like, what's up, guys? He just, I'm just he the has devil. his spot and <laughs> don't mess with it. He's not like grazing. He's not like looking for, he's like, I'm just hanging. Just hanging out. Just And people get in his way all the time from what I understand. So I assume since he's the devil, he doesn't take too kindly to that. No. You might hear some screeching. <laughs> oh, nice. And so... <laughs> Which I'll get into in a bit. Pines Barren has a ton of other ghostly and paranormal stories that have absolutely nothing to do with the Jersey Devil. They're kind of like their own stories. So I'll definitely share some of those at a future time. But I could not combine all of it today for sure. Were those talked about in the book? Uh, Some of them are actually in the book as well. But they were kind of like also information I just found throughout my research. So yeah. So let me tell you the legend. 
The story of the Jersey Devil begins in 1735, where a woman who people refer to as Mother Leeds was about to give birth to her 13th child. Holy cow. Yeah, (laughs) right? And for the time, it actually still was considered quite a bit of children to have, especially if you didn't have a lot of money, which is what her situation was. Oh, big question. 1730. How many of them made it? Like, to adulthood. Well, you're going to find out. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she didn't have a lot of money, and her husband was an alcoholic who didn't really help, like, you know, care for the children or financially really in any kind of capacity. He was a deadbeat. He was kind of a, yeah, he was a deadbeat, essentially. And so when it was time for her to have the 13th child, she was, to put it simply, incredibly exhausted. And when she learned about the child, like, she was pregnant again. You know, Lucky 13. Yeah, Lucky 13. But she also lost her mind about it and cursed out loud, quote, let this be the devil, end quote. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which this, is is, like, this is sounding like a comic book origin story. I, I know. Love it. Let's it go. totally is. Um, <laughs> let this one be the devil. And his name is Wolverine. No. Um, after reading this, I started to think maybe she was called Mother Leeds, not because of her nurturing personality, but because she just had so many kids. And so I think that's just where that came from. Either way, she didn't have any other option, and so she carried the pregnancy to term. <laughs> Don't go talk to her, Cheryl. All she do is get pregnant. <laughs> what the fuck? Where did that accent come from? I have no idea. Was that your New Jersey accent? I was trying and it failed. Oh my, I don't even know where you're from now. <laughs> I was trying to sound like attitude. Oh. <laughs> is that what that was? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so she, she was going to have the baby. And on one stormy night, as the tale goes, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy, but it was only minutes later that the baby began to wail and shriek as its body began to transform violently. The mother and midwife screamed in horror because the child grew horns on its head, wings on its back, claws ripping through its fingertips. Its legs grew longer and transformed into hooves while the body began to grow fur. The creature grew into an impossible size, and when it was done, the creature glared at its mother and with his red glowing eyes and attacked her and killed her. He then turned to the midwives and attacked them too. Hearing this commotion, the father walked into the room and was horrified to see the bloodbath that had taken place. The Jersey Devil attacked his father and the other children who were in the other room. The creature managed to kill almost everyone, by biting and ripping off their limbs. There were few that were actually survived, but left terribly disfigured. And in the last moments of the night, the Jersey Devil then flew out through the chimney, completely destroying it on its way out. Then the last they ever saw of the creature was when it flew into the Pine Barrens, which is where it is said to live to this day. So I think it was really easy for her to say that that wasn't her favorite of the children. I think... I think that was her last word. She was like, you are my least favorite. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) least favorite. Maybe she also said, maybe I shouldn't have wished for the devil child. Maybe she shouldn't have cursed her fetus. I Um, mean, so many of our, so many of our friends have given birth over the last couple of years and, you know, their baby means everything to them. It's, it's like, it's their whole world, which is so wonderful to see. So if you think, (laughs) let this one be the devil, she was totally over it. She was done. Like she... She for sure was not happy. So would that but be think, a lesson to everyone? Maybe maybe call it quits before you get to 13 babies? Yeah, definitely when you get to 12, I say someone snip or birth control, please. <laughs> <laughs> we have the technology now. Yeah, snip or we're going to have a devil. Yeah. 
please don't give us the devil. In general, people have described the Jersey Devil as having features of a kangaroo, but a horse face with bat-like wings, red glowing eyes, horns, and a tail. The horse face is weird. Yeah, it's kind of... Not used to hearing that one. Do you you think maybe more like, kind of like a goat, which I'm more associating with devil Some people say goat. I mean, I don't know. When I saw descriptions, horse features were definitely kind of there, which is kind of creepy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying goat features aren't creepy, but But that's more common. But horses aren't scary to me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I take that back. No, no. I take that back. The ring wraith horses, those were actually legitimately terrifying. Oh, yeah. Because they had like... It looked like it was blood. It was kind of bathed in blood. It looked like it wanted to kill you. It was like goth horse, but angry. Super emo. (laughs) Now, before I get into all the sightings and the hype that is surrounding this cryptid, I'm going to first talk about from a historical perspective, or rather the skeptic side of the story kind of thing. Totally. So people think this is like where the origin of the story actually came from. Historians believe that they identified Mother Leeds as Deborah Leeds. There's records of a Jaffet Leeds, I think is how you say it. Deborah's husband. Not a common name. Not a <laughs> Jaffet. Jaffet. Yes, Jaffet Leeds, and who was Deborah's husband, left an estate to his twelve children in a will in 1736, which would have been only a year after the alleged thirteenth child incident. Well. Then he's not really leaving it to 13 children, though, is he? Right. So, <laughs> to like four and a half children. Maybe the bloodbath wasn't accurate and the 13 child just like was banished. I don't know. All right. All right. Now, thrown into the water like the penguin <laughs> in Batman Returns. Oh my God. That's the true horror. The family also lived in Leeds Point, which is now called Atlantic County in New Jersey. This is the same area where people to this day have encountered the Jersey Devil. So, it's all kind of part of it. So, that's one small like records they were able to find to kind of connect where this might have come from but there's not These a lot people of people might exist at least yeah but why the story developed around them is still like unsure except totally. for this other theory and origin story nice. that i'm going to tell you this one's kind of my favorite so this comes from historian brian regal who by the way is a huge skeptic he was interested in finding out where the Jer- jersey devil actually came from He thinks that the story stemmed from Benjamin Franklin and his almanac rival Daniel Leeds and his son Titan Leeds. Now, let me break down what all that means. So back in the day, the scholars of the time would write almanacs that contained information like the sunrise and setting times throughout the year, moon cycles, weather forecast, important dates or or for religious festivals. Heck, pre-Wikipedia. The almanac was our everything. We Exactly. My family, we always got like... I don't know if it was every year, but it was at least every couple of years. I mean, I think the number one thing I I remember looking through as kids is in the center they had all the flags of the world. Oh yeah, I just, just like, love I mean, looking at those. Tons of updated information. Like yeah, if there's something like a change in the maps, like oh this is no longer a country, you might want to know this. But it was totally like, the OG Wikipedia. It really like, was. Yeah, it's like the information for everything. Um, yeah, super important. And I just thought I'd maybe explain it because maybe people aren't just very familiar with them sure. these days. And obviously, I wasn't that. Yeah, big. now. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if you're not familiar with them, it's not like encyclopedia volumes where you have like 50 volumes where you can look up no. everything. It does have a lot of information, but it's more, like you said, it's kind of specific stuff about the world today. Right. Uh, if you want to know like presidents or, or, uh, 
you know, daylight savings time, important dates, the kind of stuff that's going to affect you more in a day-to-day world as opposed to wanting to know the difference between, like, a coelacanth and an alligator. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a little different than an encyclopedia, even though Wikipedia is kind of more of an encyclopedia, but an almanac. Yeah, anyway. It's just kind of like your quick answer. It's like, huh, I wonder... I wonder when the moon rises, or when's the next uh, full moon. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of thing. Anyway, Benjamin Franklin was one of those people that uh, put together almanacs. And another group of people that did it was Daniel Leeds and his son, Titan. Okay, so so now that I've given that information, let me tell you the juicy gossip on their feud and how <laughs> this event may stemmed the wild Jersey devil folklore. Why whenever Benjamin Franklin's involved... <laughs> Do I end up guess. hearing the word juicy? <laughs> in the office, he was. Oh they brought God. him in because he. They thought he was a stripper. Well, like, a guy dressed. I don't as know if they ever referred Benjamin. to him as juicy, did they? I don't think so. No, but it felt all juicy, sultry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but, he's no, but he, he has he's like, sassy. Yeah, but he has like infamous stories of his interactions in France and England and everything. He was he's a bit of a. Oh yeah. He's a wild animal. Yeah, he's a sassy bitch. Um, so, and in this story, he's he's pretty sassy. It's probably good he wasn't a president. Yeah, <laughs> despite what <laughs> what was it Michael Scott thought? <laughs> right, his his uh, his nickname would have been President Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, <laughs> let's get back. Um, so Daniel Leeds, I'm going to start with him. Had three wives throughout his life and had nine children in total. Which, again, might be like the whole 13th child. They just added a few kids at the end. And Daniel also developed a love for publishing almanacs. But that was quickly made apparent by his Quaker community that they thought it was too pagan and were like telling him to stop. But almanacs are pagan now, huh? Yeah, well, because like he also got into the occult and... uh, Oh, I guess he started including that kind of information. Cosmology. Well, cosmology is, you know, but... Demonology, he also had included, or natural magic. I mean, these are kind of like the more extreme parts. Like, he was kind of interested in all of it. Like, more historical, but also, oh, what's up up with this? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I am actually now curious to get one of these, uh, or like a transcript of one of these old almanacs. Be like, all right, let's see. Let's see what this stuff is batshit. I would love to, to read one for sure. So eventually, Daniel's son, Titan, inherited the business, which was also around the same time that Benjamin Franklin was doing his almanac stuff. The feud between the two intensified by 1733 to the point where Benjamin Franklin made a joke in one of his almanacs that Titan was predicted to die that October. (laughs) Wow. That he wrote, like, it's, you know, supposed to be real information, and he just wrote it in there. (laughs) Yeah, you can't use almanacs (laughs) to predict people's death. Just saying. Don't worry. This sassy bitch did. Now, Titan was not amused. He called Franklin a fool and a liar. Benjamin then continued with the joke and wrote in his almanac that Titan did, in fact, die in October. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that he is now a resurrected ghost that returned to Earth for the sole purpose of tormenting him. So basically, Ben Franklin was telling the world that this fool died, but came back from the dead to annoy him. (laughs) (laughs) This was not making the Leeds family look good. It also didn't help the fact that the Leeds family was pro-monarch, which during a time where the country was starting to lean towards independence, it just didn't vibe well with the people. So if you look at the big picture, now you got Titan's dad obsessed with the occult, Titan being called a ghost, and pro-monarch. And... So, you know, just it wouldn't be too far for people to start calling him the devil. Sure. And if that wasn't bad enough, 
around 1728, a couple of years before Franklin started the ghost rumor, Titan had included his family's crescent on the almanac, which was a picture of a wyvern, a bipedal dragon. A wyvern. Wyvern. I thought it was wyvern. That's no, wyvern. Oh, shit. Yeah, so you and me aren't like into dragons or anything. I'm really like not. I no, even yeah, got the name wrong. So. Yeah, no, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with... Uh, Dragons are cool. Like, they're just not No, no, no. Yeah, I just don't know their names. Back in college, though, we knew a guy who was super into dragons. Like, and he knew all of them. And, oh, like, that's true. Yeah, if you, if, um, he was upset because in one show they showed dragons <laughs> with only two feet. Like, they, they could stand up and use their hands like humans. And he's like, that's not a dragon. It's a wyvern. A wyvern. And, oh. and then there's dragons that are just with no legs. Serpent dragons, kind of like the ones you see in, in Chinese folklore and whatnot. Sure. That apparently has a completely different name, and they say that wyverns aren't true dragons, and there's a whole group of people that this is a really passionate point of argument. Well, in my story, I didn't go into it, so I wrote bipedal dragon. Because no, it, you got it right perfectly. You know, it's just got little arms, and it's kind of like or shuffling it, about. Or sometimes no arms. It's It has wings that are its arms. Oh, I guess it kind of did look like that. So that also works, because I don't think wyverns have normal arms. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, this one this one looked a lot like the Jersey Devil kind of thing. It, oh, nice. it resembled more like the Jersey Devil than any other dragon I've seen kind of thing, like that class. So anyway, this information uh, seems to be like a closed case for a lot of historians. It's like, okay, this guy, um, and being called Leeds, because I mentioned before that the Jersey Devil is also referred to as the Leeds Devil or the Devil of Leeds. So that kind of fits in with the narrative. Oh, absolutely. However... It doesn't really explain everything because it doesn't provide closure for those that have claimed to have seen or been affected in some way by the creature. And here are some of the true stories. One of the earlier sightings I found was from Stephen Decatur Jr., who was a U.S. naval officer and Commodore back in the late 1700s to the early 1800s. One day when he was visiting the Hanover Mill Works to inspect the cannonballs, Stephen saw a flying creature within the vicinity. Now, he wasn't sure what it was, but he did decide to aim his cannonballs and shoot it, but he missed and the creature flew away. Okay. So it's just, I, I, it's just one of those recordings where he's like, it was just this big thing in the air. Another popular Sounds figure. Sounds <laughs> like a UFO sighting to Ooh. Me. Well, I don't, he said it was a winged creature. I don't know a lot of UFOs that are winged. <laughs> I mean, that's a point, but all right, all right. They are mostly saucer-shaped. I completely agree. And or like winged. pills or balls of light. But I have read enough about UFO sightings from around this era that pretty much if it's in the sky, I'm just thinking UFO sighting. I'm not thinking dragon. Could be. That's could just be. a me thing. Well, you know, then he... Being that I've never interacted with a dragon <laughs> in real life. So. It could have also been the Mothman, so I don't know. Okay, see... It could have been many, many possibilities here. Ooh, but was this right before disaster? Because that's when the Mothman show... I don't know. Um, what what see, year was see, this? Do you get a date? It was late, late 1700s, like could super have been late. Right before a huge, or after a huge battle, or right before a huge battle. Yeah, maybe he died. I don't know. I didn't check when his death date was. I didn't check the almanac. Another popular figure who allegedly saw the creature was Joseph Bonaparte, who, by the way, was Napoleon's older brother. And yeah, he was kind of in the area. I wonder if he was short. He, I'm sure he was. I don't know. <laughs> In 1820, Joseph was hunting on the Bordentown estate in New Jersey when he saw an incredibly large winged creature fly above. So this is truly the only information I gathered. There wasn't a whole lot 
about it because I, I don't know if he like tried shooting it really or or anything like that, but it is something that he claimed to have seen at some point. So we've got two sightings. Of so a we big have two creature. sightings, but I think like the idea and the reason why people really like including this information is because they're supposed to be somewhat reliable sources. You know what I mean? You have like a Commodore and then you have someone who was like pretty high class Napoleon dude. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, oh, why would they lie about this stuff? Like I, it's out of their character. People of prestige. Prestigious, yes. And so. And I guess that means they're supposed to have credibility because they're important, I guess. I mean, it did to the people who heard the yeah. stories. So that's all I'm referring to. I mean, I don't know him. So maybe he is a huge liar. That is weird. Two different people seeing flying creatures, like big ones. Yeah. And I think mm. it it would have been pretty daunting if for it to be mentioned and for that one time. So if it was like a, uh, like a species that they weren't familiar with, mm-hmm. maybe they would have been like, oh, psych, it was just a giant crane. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. I don't even know if cranes are out there. I think they are. But anyway, I don't know. It just seemed like big enough to mention. I would say... I mean, okay, so one option, obviously, we do have this Jersey Devil thing. Totally there. Willing <laughs> to go with that. But if it's not, wonder if they're just seeing a couple freak really big bats. Like, those are pretty big bats. Well, I'm thinking, you know how sometimes, like, especially when, you know, the sun is just setting or whatnot and the lighting gets just crappy enough where your depth perception kind of goes to poop? Kind that of. maybe if you're fl- it's flying in the air, so you have no point of reference to tell exactly how far away it is. And if it's a particularly big bat... I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe they saw big bats. And bats do have like a super different flying pattern than what you would notice in a bird. And so like maybe that would stand out for them as well. And at this time before flashlights and everything, because everyone's still using candles and lamps and everything like that, people wouldn't have had a lot of exposure seeing bats clearly flying. They would all know what bats are, but seeing them clearly flying to be able to be like, yes, 100% seeing a bat. I didn't look you know, to see if what kind of bat species are are in the area or what, you know, where these people are from in comparison to their bats. Yeah. I don't I like I don't know if it's more prevalent is what I'm saying for oh, it to I'm be just, like more noticeable. I'm I don't know. spitballing here. Yeah. I don't even know if there's bats in New Jersey. I assume there's bats everywhere. We but. can throw that in there. Yeah, maybe it is a bat. <laughs> I don't know. In 1840 and 1841, there was a surge of livestock attacks that were reported. It was definitely blamed on the Jersey Devil because throughout the night, people would hear loud shrieks coming from the woods. Then in the morning, they would see hoof-like prints on the ground. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was kind of a two-year span of just weird, weird stuff going on. In 1909, between January 16th and the 23rd, there were hundreds of of Jersey Devil encounters reported and published in the newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah. 1909, you said. 1909. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Now I'm beginning to think Mothman for World War One. Just Ooh! saying. Just saying. All right. All right. He's just like, get out, people. So one of the incidents that were reported in newspapers, one of the bigger ones, was a trolley car was attacked in Haddon Heights and then a social club in Camden by an alleged large winged creature. People would report more hoof prints appearing in the snow the next morning. Police officers from Camden, New Jersey, and Bristol, Pennsylvania saw the creature and fired at it. Oh. So now we have, again, police officers. Another, what a lot of people consider to be kind of reliable sources, because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot of cops that would, like, shoot at birds, but I don't know. Maybe they do. 
Just so <laughs> no, I think that's a good maybe, point. Maybe in the early 1900s, but I doubt it. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty uncommon occurrence for me to be driving down the road and just see cops just aimed at the <laughs> sky, the yeah, trying to take out pigeons and stuff. Well, right. I mean, I don't know, but like, I'm just fairly certain that a bird has not offended a cop that much. That's that's pretty intriguing. Yeah, that's very intriguing. Except actually. in Hafas, I hear there's a goose on the loose. <laughs> goose on the loose. <laughs> Okay, so those are some some of those. And then, oh, but oh, I forgot to mention. So when the police officers were shooting at it, they did say that the wean creature seemed unfazed and just flew away whenever it wanted to. Or they've got stormtrooper aim, just a thought. Yeah, that's also, they're not very prepared because I'm assuming they have like handguns. They don't have like, you know. Exactly. No. So I don't know how accurate those things are. I don't own a gun. Anyway, by this point, people were starting to get really freaked out. So much so that some schools and businesses closed down because people refused to leave their homes. What? Yeah. It was legit. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I use that? Well, I'm not in school now, but if I was like, oh my God. I can't go to school. <laughs> Juicy devil's on the loose, yo. You should enroll in school just to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stay home and play Xbox. Yeah. I mean, except there's online classes. But anyway, we'll, we'll not in that. 1909. Not in but 1909. there's no Xbox either, so it's just, <laughs> you know, I don't want it. I don't want Shadow any Shadow puppets by the fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh. going to go to school. I'm just going to stay home and read the Bible. <laughs> no, read an almanac. <laughs> okay. Um, so it even got to the point where the Philadelphia Zoo eventually posted a $10,000 reward for anyone that was able to capture the creature. That's a lot of money. I assume because they wanted to put it on display. Yeah, they're like, give me this money. And of course, uh, this caused a lot of people to take it upon themselves to go into the woods and carry guns in the search of the Jersey Devil. I'm sure that went, went over really well. I don't. I didn't see any like incidents. Man shot thinking Jersey Devil, but was other man. I didn't see anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> but maybe something. Maybe they wouldn't admit it. Probably they're like, "Oops, gotta go." <laughs> did Did you get him, Pa? Did you get the Jersey Devil? No, son. But I got something. Got that nosy neighbor though. <laughs> In December 1925, a local farmer from Greenwich, New Jersey, shot and killed the creature that was attacking his chickens. The farmer was unable to identify the body and decided to take a picture of it so he can show it to other people to see if they knew what it was. Please tell me this picture exists. No, I couldn't find it. It doesn't exist. I mean, it Pixar could have existed, but right. <laughs> uh, so he apparently showed it to over 100 people and people have said, yes, I did see the photograph. But no one was able to, like, figure out what it was either. Okay. They're like, I don't know. It looks really weird kind of thing. Now, if this was true, then the Jersey Devil would be, in theory, dead. However, there have been other incidents and sightings since then. So I doubt it Any was a Jersey Devil. Any major ones? Uh, yeah. Well, big enough for it to continue. Okay. So. so, like, I mean, if you just hear, like, this random one every five years, it'd be like, oh, maybe it is dead and just people are telling the story. Yeah. But if... Yeah, okay. Ooh. That's a good point, but... Let's see. You 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 decide. In 1937, residents of Downington, Pennsylvania, saw a red-eyed animal resembling the Jersey Devil. So that's another sighting. And then in 1951, a group of boys in Gibstown, New Jersey, claimed to have seen it as well. So there's not a lot of like strong evidence or or anything, but people are still reporting it. In West Collingswood, I think that's how you say it. People saw the Jersey Devil appear on the roof of a house. They described it as looking as an ostrich. Firemen were called, and when they arrived, they turned on their hoses and sprayed the devil until it flew away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's one way of handling the situation. 
A woman in Camden, New Jersey, ran outside with a broom and hit the creature when she saw it attack her dog. Uh, this lady does not miss around because, you know, we had people now shoot it with cannons, guns, and even, like, high-pressured water. But this woman just ran out with a broom. <laughs> and she said it was, like, the Jersey Devil. So... These last couple instances, they all sound like they were on the ground running around. Uh, some, except for the one that was on the roof, I'd say. Getting but mischievous. Yeah. I'm getting more Chupacabra vibes. <laughs> Enter Chupacabra. He's like, finally, <laughs> that devil's gone. I can roam, roam free. I'm taking this house. I'm taking this house. I'm taking this dog. Uh, so the lore of the Jersey Devil is ingrained in the region, for sure. So much so that people often mistake common creatures as a Jersey Devil. So there have been other, like on the flip side incidents of that nature all right there was this one story from uh this like outdoorsman guy who teaches about survival and stuff like that his name is tom brown who was out in the pines when a pair of hikers mistook him for the jersey devil (laughs) (laughs) one ugly dude i I guess (laughs) i mean i don't know i don't see the jersey devil (laughs) no it's frank (laughs) damn Damn, frank Frank. get some nice clothes dude Okay, well, let me let me just say he was covered in mud because <laughs> he was evading a predator or something. No, well, sort of actually, he was repelling mosquitoes. Oh, okay. So he was kind of using one of his survival tactics while he was out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the example stands. Frank's just covered in shit again. <laughs> That's the Jersey Devil or shit, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so, this poor guy i mean I, it's not his fault it's just like people don't don't know but that's that's kind of what i'm referring to so because it's so part of the lore and like the region people just believe it they're just gonna first thing they're gonna assume it's the jersey devil never change new jersey never change um so there is a group called the devil hunters that have dedicated their time in collecting reports and other evidence, hoping that one day they can prove the existence of the Jersey Devil. And as far as I could find, there isn't any substantial evidence. However, they are doing is at the very least getting the sighting. So they are archiving the information at the very least, which is nice. Okay, so now going back to the book that Sean gave us, I'm actually going to share with you some of the stories that were in there. So like true like New Jerseyans kind of encounters absolutely so let me get the book oh and by the way this is what it's supposed to look like so there's a picture well that is really weird it is more like uh, it's like a horse dragon yeah it's i mean it is ugly and this would be very creepy to see because it's so just it doesn't even work you know it doesn't look Like, like other monsters i mean kudos to the creativity there right exactly so here's one it's by a woman named mary ritzer christensen Driving by the devil in the pale moonlight. This has haunted me since it happened in in 1972. One winter night, as I was driving in Green Tree Road to Glassboro, I caught a glimpse of something in the rearview mirror. Curious as to what it could have been, I slowed down to take a gander. It was dark out, but the moon lit enough that I had no trouble at all discerning the upright figure of a creature crossing the road roughly 25 feet behind my car. The figure stood taller than a man by far and had thick haunches. So, ooh, thick. Uh, supporting <laughs> <Damn>. its... Damn. <laughs> uh, supporting its nearly human-like torso and huge woolly head, it moved heavily and didn't seem at all disturbed by me being there. 
I didn't linger long enough to see much more. I hit the gas and flew to the Mansion Park apartments in the borough. I slept in my car. Holy cow. Unwilling to get out in the same darkness that had introduced me to the Jersey Devil. So she stayed in her car. No, the car's not that safe. Just I, saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what's going on. Um, all right. So I think I'll, I'll read one more story because we're kind of getting a little ahead with time. So do you want one read to you titled The Devil on Route 9, The Jersey Devil in the Backyard, or Camping with the Jersey Devil? Backyard. Backyard it is. Okay. So this one is by Lisa H. I think the Jersey Devil has left the Pine Barrens for a vacation up in Kindelon? Kindelon. I think it's Kindelon. Last summer, I was in the living room with my husband when an inhuman sound pierced the quiet. I couldn't imagine anything capable of producing such a noise, which was like that of a puppy being murdered. Aw. That's awful. <laughs> I'd grown up surrounded by the woods and heard a lot of strange animal noises, but this was entirely novel to me. Okay, so that's good to know. So she... She knows what's up, you know what I mean? Yeah, not a stranger in a strange land. Right. My husband and I ran outside to see what it was. We saw tree branches over our garage shaking violently for about five minutes, after which the leaves grew still and it was all quiet. Ooh, that's creepy. The next day, in the light, we found no evidence of anything weird. As if that wasn't bad enough, in May of, of this year, it happened again. I was upstairs getting ready for bed, but this time I was nine months pregnant. All of a sudden, that same unearthly noise ripped through the night. A long, continuous, inhumane screaming. I ran downstairs and out into the yard with my flashlight in hand. Holy cow, nine months pregnant and she ran outside? I'd be like, eh. That's a bold girl. That's a... Heck yeah. When I shined it across the street around where I thought the shriek was coming from... The light caught two yellow eyes that seemed to be advancing towards me. Mm. Yeah. I could hear the thing they belonged to running through the yard. I couldn't move. It was like being in a nightmare. Finally, I turned to run and fell over my two feet. I was lying there for what seemed like an eternity, thinking I was about to die. Finally, I regained the strength to scream, get up, and run into the house. I looked outside and saw nothing. I heard my screaming cease along with the blood-curling screams of the monster outside. Had the Jersey Devil come to Kinnelin, what else could this unusual creature have been? Well, obviously she survived. She survived. She went back into the house. So it definitely seems like a big telltale of this monster is a really high-pitched scream, huh? Yeah, that's one of its big, big things. And it's supposed to sound just, I mean, Like a her puppy term, being murdered. <laughs> well, she said inhumane a lot, and that's one of the terms I heard plenty in the research it just sounds so different and so like disturbing to your ears and i i have no idea what that would be like i hope i never find out but it does sound like something that someone who would grow up in the woods and around animals would at the very least be able to distinguish yeah you know someone i mean you live out in the woods and you've never heard an animal sound before, then you've never heard that animal sound before. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's just a thing. And that would be pretty strange if you grew up in that area. But yeah, so that's my story. Oh, no, no. Oh, my gosh. I almost forgot. So there is a couple of movies based on the Jersey Devil. There's one from 2002 called The 13th Child, Legend of the Jersey Devil. Three out of ten stars on IMDb. I think there's a rule that if your title has a colon, I know we but said it's like that a before. Whole sentence, it's gonna just be worse. It's there's something wrong for sure. Now there's another one that came out in 2012 called The Barons. 
referring to the Pine Barrens. And it has a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay, that's high enough for me to be willing to give it a shot. It is, especially for a horror movie. It's not the very most popular or like high regarded genre. So I always give like a little boost. Usually with, with though, it's got to hit the five before I start to like it. But, I agree. But we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Now, there was another one that came out in 2005 called The Jersey Devil. I could not find a trailer for it, and it popped up on IMDb, and that says it has 6.9 out of 10. But if you can't find a trailer, it means like three people watched it and liked it. I know. (laughs) The director, actor, writer. It's all the same guy. This is my baby. (laughs) (laughs) I play both the monster and the man. And the man. But, <laughs> I didn't have any instruments, so I just hummed the score. But you have to listen to the description. Like, I want to watch this okay, movie. Okay. So, Josephine Leeds was cursed by the townspeople of Shrouds Point for being the widow of a traitor and ultimately a whore. She was outcast and left to fend for herself and her family. One by one, Josephine's children fell to starvation. And as they died, she fed their remains to herself and her surviving children. What started as a struggle for survival became a bloodthirst that consumed her and slowly drove her insane. By the time she was pregnant with her last child, she swore it would be born without a soul because of what she's done. Josephine vowed vengeance upon the people of Shrouds Point for forsaking her, and her soulless child would carry it out. Born deformed of body and soul, the Leeds baby would feed on what it had a taste for, human flesh. 260 years later, the legend continues. I thought it was a really cool, like, I don't know. So does that mean the movie takes place now? So now it takes, right. So fast forward, flesh eating, you know, basically like the mother lead story. That's basically what it's basing it off. Sort of. Well, I'll watch it if you can find it. But more gruesome. Hey, if I can find it, absolutely. But yeah. So, okay, now I'm done. (laughs) Well, awesome. Great story. Thank you. Well, I got a big one for you, so we should take a quick break. Take a quick break. Quick, Get some refreshments. More drinks, and yeah, we'll, we'll get right to back. it. Okay, so we got our refreshments, and I think Chase has a story for us. Yay! So today I'm going to do things a bit differently. I'm actually going to start by asking a question. Of all the buildings in the world, which <laughs> ones do you think would probably be the most haunted? Of all the buildings in the world? Yeah, I'm just curious to see what your answer is. It may or may not be what where I'm going with this. So. I I have no clue. Let me see. So do they have to be like a church or does that have to be like just something? I don't know. What history does a building have to have had for it to be the most haunted that you, you well, would have? Death, war, a castle? A castle? <laughs> uh, some, a castle. I'm going to say a castle. All right, so that didn't, go, that didn't go as far as... Uh, that didn't go where I was expecting to go, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. Because I think the most haunted locations in the world are always former insane asylums. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of reasons that I feel this way. Part of it, I'm sure, has something to do with the fear and terror of losing one's mind. I know I'm particularly scared of losing my mind. Like, the movie A Beautiful Mind is horrifying to me. Oh, I never saw it. You should totally see it. It's a great movie. I just don't want to watch it again. It just was too much. (laughs) Depressing. But if you also consider how those institutions have such a horrible track record with how they treated their patients, I mean, how many old asylums were known for their cleanliness and kindness? 
But I think another important aspect about it is that there is this idea about communicating with the undead, spirits, and ghosts. It's assumed that not everybody is sensitive to it, and many of the people who are sensitive often credit it to things like being an inherited trait from a parent or grandparent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's credited to being the result of a traumatic experience that forever changed that person. And sometimes it's just seen as being a trait of someone who acts differently or sees the world in a different way. And I think that last part is why asylums are so creepy. There is this notion that people who suffer from some sort of mental illness are possibly more sensitive to paranormal activity. I'm not necessarily saying that's true, but it's definitely something that shows up regularly in the stories and everything like this. In stories and definitely like a plot point in movies and, and whatnot. I don't know why, but that is seems to when, be a yeah, common thing. Yeah, When people have madness, maybe mm-hmm. they can see ghosts or whatnot. That does introduce the question of whether or not their mental state allowed them to see these things. Or if seeing these things is what caused them to get into... Like, it, it didn't help, for sure. Exactly. Like, if you see all these, like, dead ghosts around you, is that what made you go crazy? Or are you crazy and that's why you see them? I don't know. <laughs> so I have no idea what it is. I mean, I'm a big proponent of mental health and all this stuff, and we have much healthier views now. But at least in the olden days, the idea was mentally crazy people could possibly communicate with the... And, I mean, it could also be the very fact that I don't know what back in the day you're referring to, but even just in the 60s and beyond. Oh, I meant like 50 years plus ago. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, even just people that had just radical ideals or didn't behave as appropriate in society were considered crazy and put in institutions and they were there against their will. So I think a lot of the reasons why insane asylums tend to be haunted is because there are just some lost souls. And granted, they weren't treated very well, so there's just a lot of suffering as well. Well, and even before um, insane asylums and stuff, there's plenty of cultural evidence that sometimes when you had people who acted bizarrely and weirdly, they often would become oracles or shamans or... Right. Because they were believed that they were able to speak to spirits in other realms and everything like this. I just think there's this connection humans have with people who act differently that they might be able to see this stuff. But either way, I can't deny I have an obsession with learning about haunted asylums, sanitariums, and whatever variant of the word you want to use. So we're going to talk about historic building today on this installment of Burke Booze. Yay! So for those listeners that are local to Albuquerque, our next building needs no introduction. But to everyone <laughs> else, let me tell you about Hotel Park Central. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, we've been there. <laughs> in either 1924 or 1926, I've read both dates on multiple sites, so I'm not sure exactly which one is correct. The Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad Hospital was built. A few episodes ago, I mentioned that railroad company. Mm-hmm. They built an impressive hub of connecting routes in Albuquerque in the late 19th century, and it's how the infamous brothel owner turned ghost Mary Elizabeth McGrath got here. <laughs> If you haven't heard that story from me or anywhere else, I cover that in episode 57. You should go back. It's a good one. But back to the hospital. As one can assume from the name, the hospital would be used primarily by employees of the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway Company. At least at first. It's a four-story hotel, and four stories is kind of difficult. It's three main stories, and there's this fourth thing on top that's a little bit smaller. And we'll get to that part later on. And it's built in a very authentic architecture for the time in the 1920s. There's nothing like it here Mm -hmm. today. Not not, not many, at least. I would argue that it looks more like a university building than a hospital. And it stands out against a lot of the modern New Mexican architecture. And that is a good thing. It's a beautiful building. It's definitely unique, I'd say. 
There isn't much information to be found about this building's time as a standard hospital. Like most functioning hospitals, however, there were accounts of unnerving things occurring. The most prominent was people hearing disembodied voices, often a whisper in the ear while they were alone. Mm. This is going to be a recurring theme for this building, so keep that in mind. Patients and staff alike would also mention that there was a heaviness while in the building. A hard-to-describe uneasiness the minute you entered. You could assume that was because it was a hospital, but that also seemed to be a feeling that never went away. Over the years, it seems the hospital's use would diminish along with the public's drop in interest in railway travel in general. Eventually, the hospital would cease its regular operations as a hospital. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until several decades later that the building would see its transformation into a psychiatric hospital. During the 80s, the hospital was renamed the Albuquerque Memorial Hospital and was converted into a mental hospital that was used primarily for children and teenagers with mental illnesses. Some places I researched suggested also adults were there, but more often than not, the places just said children and teenagers. Okay. Which, if you're like me, actually feels worse than if it was one for adults. History has shown that staff in children's hospitals are often able to get away with way more mistreatment. Yeah. Since the patient's testimony would be considered to be less credible because they're kids. Yeah. Just like, oh, they're just making stuff up or they don't understand. And they already have a disadvantage of being able to, like, properly express themselves. You know, they had fewer years to defend themselves and, and whatnot. So, yeah, this is, it's awful. I kind of think might that not, makes it worse. Right. They might not even say anything. They may just shut down completely. And then, you know, exactly. what do you do? And I've seen, oh man, I've seen documentary footage of what children's mental hospitals look like inside. It's not pretty. It's the, the worst. It, it's like one of the few times putting children's in front of something doesn't make it cute. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> Insane asylum and ghosts. I mean, <laughs> right. that's just not where I want to see my children. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, when you said ghosts, I just remembered that ugly CGI girl from Resident Evil. She's like, you're all going to die down here. <laughs> she and every a time ghost. you see, it's like, I know, but she's like a projection like a ghost. It's like the ugliest CGI they, in the history of the yeah, world. Yeah, they really, really tried to make it creepy. And they dropped the ball. And I'm like, wow, that that just made me laugh. But it made thank me you. laugh when I saw it in theaters. And I laugh every time now. <gasps> Which, by the way... It was bold of you to say that it was a war CGI because we just recently saw The Mummy 2. And that Scorpion, Scorpion King, King is disgusting. was like, one oh. of the worst things I I probably just... I, Almost I was, as bad as the movie. I mean, not as bad as the third. And I know we're probably pissing off a lot of people, but I just well, did not it like it. It pains me because of the yeah. first Mummy is probably one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> but I she She would like it more <laughs> if I didn't make her watch it all the time. <laughs> I was going to say. I've made her suffer through I it. did love it. I did. Right. <laughs> once, <laughs> once. Once upon a time. All right. So back back to this horrible hospital. I can only assume the hospital was bad as it only functioned in this capacity for around a decade. The building would be abandoned in the 90s and quickly fall into disrepair. The building itself is located on Central Avenue, known as Route 66 to people not from Albuquerque, mm -hmm. right next to the I-25 on-ramp. For many, it was a depressing landmark that was passed every day on the way to or from work. And it was it looked terrible. I remember seeing this awful, yeah. creepy building just towering over the highway. <laughs> As you can imagine, this is when the horror stories began to crop up. Urban explorers would traverse the property in hopes of catching a scare. And by urban explorers, I mean mostly teenagers who were bored. Kind of like one of the listener stories we had back in October. Mm -hmm. With its mental hospital past, if it wasn't actually haunted, you could at least assume people would tell stories that it was. The most common occurrence experienced by people is hearing unexpected voices and whispers in the ear. Ew. 
I hate that. And when you think about it back in the 90s before you had a lot of the – most of the resources I got this from was from the internet – they may not have heard those stories. This may be, it's hard to say if they if they had heard these old stories or, yeah. you know, just a quinky dink. <laughs> never know. You never know. But many other experiences have also been reported. Claims of apparitions, objects moving on their own, and a sense of presence around people is also common. To make matters worse, there is a separated building to the southeast with rather large chimney stacks on it. I regularly heard from people that it was a crematorium for the hospital, but if I'm not mistaken, that was actually the old boiler room, although one account suggests it was the surgeon's quarters. Either way, it was not something morbid. It just looked like one. I mean, seriously, when you looked at it, you're like, wow, that's where they got rid of dead bodies. I genuinely thought it was. uh... There was never a crematorium ever there. Oh, lame. But they did have a boiler for creating heat and electricity and everything like that, so... Which is good, essential. which would explain the giant chimney stack. Not like they were getting rid of the old (laughs) dead patients. Right. After nearly 20 years of abandonment, the building underwent a massive renovation in the late aughts. In 2010, the building was reopened as a luxury hotel called Hotel Park Central. The park is spelled with a Q, by the way, in case you want to look it up online, because, you know... I'm not sure why there's a Q. They just want to be fancy. Maybe because, you know? like, Albuquerque, the Q. Oh, see? Park Central. That's I don't you know. using your noggin. I didn't even do that. I just thought they wanted to be fancy, <laughs> like like the band Corn. They're just With like. With a K backwards. Pinkies up. Yeah. <laughs> Super fancy corn. <laughs> <laughs> the new hotel was listed as being on the National Register of Historic Places. The renovation did a great job of maintaining some of the key facets of the original architecture. A BBC article on the hotel described it as having preserved its, quote, Italianate architecture featuring arched windows, a flat roof, and exterior baluster staircases, end quote. And I have to say, the outdoor staircase is one of my favorite parts of the hotel. Yeah, it's really nice. It's these gorgeous stone stairs on the outside. You don't see that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone has stairwells inside, but that's what kind of gives it the 1920s vibe and the university building vibe. Right, the like when you look at it, all outside you're like, and, oh, that's old. Or, oh, yeah. you know, the architecture side, you don't see that in modern buildings. It's yeah. just absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's nice. The current hotel features 74 rooms, and if you walk down any of the alleyways, or hallways, not alleyways, you can (laughs) see vintage railway and hospital artifacts that are on display from its time. And let me tell you, when you walk into this hotel, it is very easy to see that it used to be a hospital. Oh my god, the hallways are so narrow, and And it's very, yeah, it still kind of looks like a hospital, for sure. When we went in there, the first time we're going to get to that story in a little bit, we just looked around and we're like, oh, yeah, we can totally see. It's not just a story. Like, this totally used to be. Yeah. There's a good reason for that. It's because when they renovated it, they tried to keep as much of the original structure as possible, including many of them being the original hospital doors. <gasps> I as didn't well as that. Yeah. As well as reconditioning, cleaning, and resetting many of the original windows. Interesting. So okay. There's, there's a lot of just old stuff in there that's just... The kind, like, you could walk up, you'd be staying in a room, and that window could have been the very window that a a haunted patient who was suffering, <laughs> like, put patient. his hand up against as he wished he was not there, you know, oh, or something. Oh, man, well, that's just depressing. Yeah, I just want your future stays to be glorious. Yeah. As soon as it opened, claims of hauntings began to run wild. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the first time I heard about the hotel opening was in a story about how it actually was haunted and that it used to be a hospital. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? (laughs) When the hotel officially opened, their PR rep said of the hauntings, quote, we're not negating it, 
We're not embracing it. You know, it's an older property, so it's certainly possible, end quote. <laughs> when we visited, we asked the front desk about the hotel being haunted, to which we got the very rehearsed reply, we've never experienced anything. Yeah. I mean, I think we've... Uh, hotels that definitely are like, we can neither, neither confirm nor deny these accounts are always trained... I, I'm assuming they're employees to say no because you don't want to scare your clients, but you also don't want to be like. But you also know some clients are there for exactly. Them. So you're like, oh, but you know, I don't know. If you play it coy, but then they find out someone's really interested in the haunting because they want it to be haunted, then you right. can let them get a little bit of information. Exactly. Or it's we like, had that uh, when we were at the Andalus. Yeah, because the guy was kind of cautious about telling us because he's like, why do you want to stay on that floor? And we're like, well, because it's haunted and we want to like see something. And he's like, oh, well, let me tell you all and about he, it. And yeah. he turned out to be a guy who loves going to haunted <laughs> hotels too. Like, he's okay, like, I do the same thing. <laughs> Written accounts online essentially repeat the same hauntings that were witnessed during its abandoned years. Once again, the most commonly reported experience was hearing disembodied voices, whispers in your ear, along with a feeling of being watched. And more than a few reviews of the hotel mentioned that people who would wake up would find various lights would either be on or off that shouldn't have been. Others claim to have heard ominous noises from the hallway, and others just chalk that up to being overly thin walls. However, there are was one specific ghost that showed up in several different places. Apparently at night, it was common for people to see a female apparition walking or standing in the hallways. She would always appear in the right wing of the third floor of the hotel. And I, they said right wing, but I'm like, I guess if you're looking at the front door, right I think, wing. I think maybe that's what they're referring to. Yeah. yeah. An alarmingly high number of guests also reported another disturbing occurrence. It was so common that when the New Mexico Magazine did a piece on the hotel, it advised guests to, quote, Watch out for poltergeists who like to pull off guest bedsheets in the dead of night. Holy <laughs> Like That was like that was your magazine review. Yeah, that's... That's big. I mean, what happened to that guy? Yeah. According to an article on the NASGAP website, which is the National Association of State Student Grant and Aid Programs, a three-person hunting group known as the Los Muertos Spirit Seekers went to the hotel in 2011 to do their own investigation. They claimed to have experienced the whispers and the voices, as well as the feeling of being watched. <laughs> they also claimed that many of these voices and whispers were captured on digital voice recorders, but I couldn't find any examples of them oh, online to bummer. listen to, which bothers me. I was going to say, we can splice that in right now. Dang it. They also did a flashlight test, of which I could see part of it on YouTube. For those of you unfamiliar with this, it's where you turn on a flashlight, but then you unscrew it until the light just barely turns off. You set the flashlight on a steady surface, and you attempt to communicate with the dead. Mm -hmm. It is believed that spirits or other paranormal entities have the ability to manipulate energy fields ever so slightly, allowing them to possibly bridge the small bit of resistance between the battery and the light bulb contacts. Essentially, it allows a ghost to turn on or off flashlights in this delicate state if it wants to. There are a lot of arguments for or against this type of test. A lot of the instances I've seen people use is questionable at best, but if I'm being honest, in this short video, the results were entertaining and, at the very least, consistent. Yeah, consistency is what you're looking for. In the video, one of the investigators asks the spirits if they believe the time frame to be between 1930 and 1940, and then the light comes on almost immediately. Ooh. And then when she asks if it's between 1930 and 1935, it's off. I can't remember if it turns off or it would just stayed off because it had already gone off after mm -hmm. that point. When she asks if it's between 1936 and 1940, it immediately comes on again. Simple questions and a bit general, but at no point does the light interfere or change its state when it would seem inappropriate during this video. 
I wondered if the video was so short because just afterwards the lights started going crazy and flickering. I have no idea, <laughs> but it was fun to see at least this short video and the tests actually seemed to reply to the the questions. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But I think that could have been edited. I have no idea. Uh, right. But it, it's really interesting, too, that it did go wild at the end. Maybe that's just like an extra surge of energy or the fact that the ghost was actually controlling it at one point and then it just went crazy because it was like, I'm done. It's just like, wait, it's not 1940. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Lily and I haven't actually stayed at this hotel yet. We will one day. I guarantee we will. And we'll probably do an additional episode because of that. Yeah. We'll definitely. Maybe that'll be a bonus episode where we stay with a friend. and Bonus can, episode. Yeah. yeah. But we have been to the hotel several times. And that's because of its rooftop bar, the Apothecary Lounge. Now, remember how I said it's three stories, but there's kind of a little fourth story. I don't know what that fourth story was historically or even if it was there historically, but it is now a rooftop bar cocktail bar and it's supposed to kind of have like a vintage 1920s they say it's supposed to be kind of prohibition but i didn't get that vibe but it just it felt like a very upscale really kind of it's a nicer bar it's a very nice bar but it's cocktails are definitely vintage 1920s and everything the recipes i would say it's the best part of the hotel and at the very least if you don't want to stay at a hotel but you are in the area i highly recommend going there and getting on the rooftop and having a cocktail because you have this gorgeous view of albuquerque's downtown Mm -hmm. one of the best views in the city and if you're having for a bar yeah i mean definitely one of the better views uh, and the drinks are fantastic i mean they're expensive but they are totally fantastic so because of that Shout out to our close friend and longtime listener, Alex, who worked there a few years back. She introduced me to some pretty amazing gin cocktails at that bar while she was there. And since she worked there, I had I just had to ask if she had thought the hotel was haunted. (laughs) And she replied, quote, I just felt like there was a negative wormhole, like it had bad, chaotic energy, end quote. And as far as I'm concerned, if you want to know if a place is haunted, the only opinions that really matter is those are the people who work there. They're- yeah, because they're going to have the most exposure. And, and you know, like, we've all worked at multiple places, and she's worked at other other yeah, places as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But my point is, is that, like, if this is very specific, and every time she would go to work, there was, like, this weird energy, that's, that's something to say. And it's the only time she's ever mentioned this kind of stuff to us. Oh, like, right, yeah. So, I mean, the people who work there, they're there so much more than just, like, a, a customer who's just spending the night in the mm-hmm. hotel. They're there all the time. They're also there way more hours they're there at weird hours and they're also spending a lot more time either with just a couple of them or by themselves doing things exactly and in my experience or at least what i've seen people having experiences usually paranormal stuff likes to get after people when it's small groups or individuals they don't like going when there's like 100 it totally is that way yeah it just doesn't seem to work that way so this makes total sense So it's no surprise that Alex's experience mirrors the reports from staff and patients from the hospital days, people who would have been there for extended periods as well. They also claimed, just like Alex did, that the whole building had a heaviness to it. I also asked her if she was willing to stay at the hotel one day in the future, and she said, yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice. Which is no surprise, because she's a tough chick. Right. I also think, like you, Lily, she is open to those kinds of experiences, where I'm more wary of yeah, worrisome, kinda, but you're, you're like, bring it on, she is I'm too. I'm interested. Like, yeah. I just want to see what's up. You, you know? guys would be like, all right, bring bring some wine or some shots, and let's do this. And I'm just <laughs> like, can I stay home? Yeah, you're like, you guys have fun. But she did say if she stayed at the hotel it would have to be on the third floor where people have reported mm. that female apparition. Nice. But that's not the only thing to be scared of on the third floor. Oh, God, what? <laughs> in, in addition to our good friend Alex, we had another friend who worked at the rooftop bar. 
His name, however, I'm going to keep off the record because he gave us some information that may or may not get him into trouble. Professionally, it is, at least. Okay. So we're just going to call him G. What's up, G? (laughs) So G told me about the shadow demons. Oh, hell no. (laughs) I think I draw the line on demons. He said, quote, out of the corner of your eye, you would see or sense someone moving. Spook the shit out of me. It always made me do a double take. The last time I thought it went into the rooftop kitchen. It would always happen when the lights were off, end quote. And this wasn't a one-time thing either. He said it scared the shit out of him for three years while he worked there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Poor G. This was an ongoing thing. Oh, no. But then he dropped the real doozy, the reason I didn't include his name. He said someone did die <gasps> in room 318. Whoa. Or possibly 218, but I'm pretty sure it was 318. Okay. I'm betting it's 318 considering how much activity people seem to see Experience. on the floor. So did he mention like while he was working there or like... I didn't get that information. I wasn't going to Maybe pry. he wasn't yeah. ready or willing to say for sure. Okay. But he said that room was definitely haunted and the staff was not allowed to let customers know about it. Oh my God. Okay. This makes me feel... Like it's what, since it's opened. Now you can see why I, yeah, me too. Now you can see why I didn't put his name. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, he's not supposed to say anything. He also casually mentioned that there was a secret torture room in the basement with only one way in and out. (laughs) Casually. (laughs) If you knew him, you would understand exactly what I mean by he casually mentioned it. I was like, oh, by the way. Now he didn't elaborate on that and knowing his sense of humor, which is really awesome, but dark. I'm not sure if that one was just a story or if it was a like it was just a really creepy room or if it was an assumption based on conjecture or if it really was like a room of or previous just stories torture. that were between staff as well, like the th- stuff that they've heard. So you can take that as you will. Maybe if you have a cocktail and you talk to one of the, the servers helping you out, you could be like, hey, so I hear there's a torture room in the basement and just see what their <laughs> what their faces do. Oh, my God. Maybe that's something they tell like the new people or something. Yeah. You know. Now, I did find a recent video on YouTube, I think it was only a few months ago, that was really entertaining. It was from uh, the YouTuber, I'm not sure if it's singular YouTuber or if it's a group or it's a couple people. The name on YouTube is Slump Zay. In the video, a group of youths, I don't honestly know how old they are, I think they're probably early 20s. Right. But they decided to stay at the hotel and do a Ouija board session. Oh, no. They set up a bunch of candles in the room, turned out the lights, and got ready to ask the spirits questions. Before starting, they decided, and they mentioned this into the camera, that they were going to turn off the camera out of respect for the spirits, which is very interesting. Oh, wow. So, but were they going to keep audio or? No, they were just going to do it. Every- and he said he would only turn it back on if there was a lot of activity and like repeated stuff, but. Okay. Holy cow. That's, that is interesting. It is okay. interesting. And when the camera came on, they said that even though there were responses through the planchette, none of them spelled out any words and it was kind of a bunch of random letters. Okay. When the camera was turned on and they attempted to explain what happened, it died immediately on them despite it being full battery. And they said that in the video. Not long after, the fire alarm went off in the <gasps> hotel. And no, it wasn't because of their candles, even though that was totally oh, right. my first thought. <laughs> oh my God, I was just thinking that. Okay. <laughs> because it wasn't their room that set it off. Okay. Firemen did show up and they have they have their camera aimed at the ground and the, you see like the fireman boots and everything like oh, this. Oh, sure. But more crazy, like I have to explain this. It took me a second to realize what it was. When they're walking through the hallway, it looks like the hallway is just covered in sand. 
and there's all these footprints. It wasn't sand. It was, there was a fire extinguisher in the middle of the hallway. Someone actually was using a fire extinguisher. Oh my God. This wasn't like, this wasn't like a random, someone accidentally pulled it or someone lit a cigarette. Something there was happened. a fire. <gasps> oh no. Shadow demon. Pretty intense. It was pretty Started great. a fire. Oh no. At, at that point, as far as I can tell from the video, it looked like most of the group went home, but the couple, I think they're a couple, they run the channel, stayed at the hotel that night, and they kind mm-hmm. of were talking to the camera, telling what happened, and then they, the two of them, decided to do another Ouija session. Oh lord. And this time they got responses, or so they claim. At one point, the guy oh, tried- so they, did they the turn The camera's off? left on here, but it's not looking at the Ouija board. Okay, okay, okay. It's on it. the ground. As stuff is happening, the guy uses his other hand. One hand's on the planchette, the other one. He starts lifting up the camera to try to show it to her. And his girlfriend's like, no, put it down. We we can't show this. Respect for the other side and stuff like oh, that. Wow. Like, she was scared. And that's, I don't know, you got to commend that. No, no, that's Being true. Being actually I mean, terrified hey, yeah. I'm so terrified I won't even do it. But, like, yeah. she, she was just like, <laughs> we just can't film it. Like, if we're going to do it, don't fuck with it too much but they both seemed rather convinced they had experiences and they kind of talked about it and everything like that it was yeah. just really fun i their video was kind of all over the place but in a good way i it was a lot of fun to watch it was just it was kind of like seeing you know how like most teen screen movies we see is you just see a bunch of like teenagers and they're like oh yeah let's get scared and do something and right. they're being kind of wild about it it was kind of like that but if they were doing their own footage and it wasn't all Hollywoodized. It was just sure. pretty fun. I enjoyed oh, it. It okay. was good on them. No, I like that. I, I've definitely seen more than a few videos. I mean, every time I cover something, there's always someone in that place, like the Jersey Devil, for oh, example. Yeah. There were totally. a few kids, like, and I say kids, I think they were also in their early 20s. <laughs> um, they were kind of just about to go into the woods and but they weren't specifically looking for the jersey devil they were they were hearing of other folklore and and ghosts and and demons or whatever that live in there but anyway yeah they kind of had that same feeling they get really excited they start doing like um i don't want to say illegal but they try to enter abandoned buildings and have fun beforehand and then they get serious at the end so i enjoy those kind of videos and i'm very interested in seeing the one that you're talking about oh yeah i'll show it to you it was was good fun it was good i really want to watch it Taking Willie's lead because they were so much fun whenever you did them, I decided to look at some reviews. Yay! Uh, particularly <laughs> looking for searching for like words like haunted and whatnot. Just, uh, that's exactly what I see, do. Just to see replies. Or I, I like I try to do words that people would use if they were mm-hmm. telling a story. So I also Ghost, look up haunted, scared, monster, yeah. haunted or lights or things like that that are uncommon to leave if it was a review, but you would say if you were scared. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> A Yelp review from a Sarah S. stated, quote, even though I have a PhD, I do believe this place is haunted. <laughs> I think it was a psych ward or TB hosp or something, and it isn't supposed to be creepy, but totes was. We had a <laughs> we had a really small room, and it wasn't worth the price. I swear I heard a little girl's voice in the bathroom, and no one was there everyone was nice enough but i want to bring an undercover paranormal activity specialist end quote (laughs) undercover now i can't i can't imply to you how hard it was to read that because was is spelled like w-u-z oh right and b4 would be like the letter letter b B yeah yeah. this was hard to read but chase they have a phd exactly so i'm gonna say That I think it's great she had to mention that she had a PhD in the review, which already makes it Hold a bit on. sus. <laughs> Maybe it's an abbreviation. Maybe she has a PED. A paranormal a haunting pe- disorder? Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. So she like totally said, I have a PhD because she's like, this will give my review total credibility. And then she goes on to write with grammar that even would make a 14 year old embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, even text messages would reject it. Oh, this was terrible. I had a hard time with it. So I'm just going to say I doubt the validity of her claims. Who knows? Maybe. One TripAdvisor review from the cleverly. Wait, wait, what was her rating? She didn't give a rating. Dang. Well, she might have given a rating. I usually wait until people write ratings in there. She might have had a rating at the top. I didn't look. Aw. One TripAdvisor review from the cleverly named newer reviewer (laughs) stated, quote, yes, the hotel is haunted. Just make your way upstairs to the bar and have a drink in the very nice bar before going to bed and the ghost shouldn't bother you anymore. Oh, well, you'd be too drunk to notice anyway. So she sounds like us. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. We're like, we never have experiences, but we're usually like too buzzed to even notice and like super tired by that point because we're going to bed at 3 a.m. Ghost didn't want to talk to the drunk guy. Yeah, they're like, "Uh, I'm tired too. Just go away. There were many, many more people who never had any negative experiences, even when expressly searching for reviews that mentioned the word haunted. Most of them were just denying it outright. Oh. One Yelp review from Devin S. stated, quote, I originally did choose to stay here because it's supposedly haunted. I did not get possessed, but I did have a good night's sleep. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Aw. End quote. Nice. A review by William F. mentioned, quote, ghosts seem to be attracted to me and I'm not thrilled about this. Fortunately, <laughs> they left me alone. End quote. Oh, nice. So there's a guy who apparently has experience, a history, and is sensitive to it. And he it's said sensitive nothing. and he doesn't like it. Those and are he my, doesn't that's, like it. That's my favorite. That's actually one of the reviews I'm like, I'm going to believe this one. Nothing happened. Yeah. He's fine. For sure. The vast majority of reviews I found on TripAdvisor that even mentioned that the hotel is supposed to be haunted also mentioned they had no experiences or any paranormal encounters. And you can take that as you will. One explanation is that it is haunted and these guests either didn't stay in the haunted area or perhaps they aren't particularly sensitive to it or the guests are right and the place just isn't haunted at all. And it's just a story to garner interest in the hotel, which also Mm -hmm. works. I mean, if we ever heard that a business we ran was haunted, I would totally embrace that because I think that would bring a definite amount of crowd. I think that's the best. I don't know why people try to hide it. And I, I mean, I kind of understand with some hotels if they're trying to be super fancy, but. Oh, yeah, like a premium, like upper class. Oh, five like the star. Fister Hotel. They mm-hmm. definitely don't like it, mm-hmm. if I recall. But yeah. it's not bringing the clientele they want, and they think it, it's probably going to turn away more of the clientele they want. And then bring in maybe a lower class, yeah. you know, just or your anyone average, off the street. Your you average know? person, when they're trying to find a hotel to stay at for whatever reason, they don't even think to ask, is this haunted? Like, it's right. not even in their mind. So, and if they had heard while they were there, oh, this hotel's supposed to be haunted, most of them are probably going to roll their eyes and not care. That's so true. So I think, I think your average hotel, hearing it's haunted, isn't going to hurt it at all. It could only possibly help it yeah. by getting and, a certain And it could also be just very simple that they don't want paranormal investigators like oh, yeah. roaming around because they don't want them bothering the guests you know Absolutely. with their cameras and stuff so i can kind of see that point of view perhaps. Absolutely. but yeah good, a good hotel cares more about guest comfort than anything and yeah. that's that's true so that's my overview of the hotel park central a hotel that is allegedly haunted but thankfully it seems not by spirits or demons that are harming people or trying to harm people Because of its awesome bar, you can visit this place without having to stay the night. But I assume if anything was going to happen, it probably would be on an overnight stay. So if you're looking for an experience, I would recommend to stay, Mm -hmm. enjoy the bar while you can, stay on the third floor, 
and get as close to room 318 as possible. <laughs> yes. And I wonder, pr- okay, so it is in service, like as in you can stay in 318. I don't know if you can. It might okay. be just one of those that's permanently closed, but if you can be like w- across the hall or right next to it, the, I mean, that's as close as Somewhere you can get to it. Somewhere on the third floor. And then make sure to walk out at like 3 a.m. into the hallway and look at the door or something like that, knock on it, do, do all those creepy things that, yeah, exactly, make me want to throw up. <laughs> So that's my story. I freaking loved it. Now, now that you've heard it, though, would I, you stay there? Yes. I. Okay. Well, I think I would definitely be willing to stay on the third floor. That's. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. But if they were like, okay, room 318, here you go. I'd be like, mm, can you give me like 320 or something? <laughs> like something else. But yeah, I, I don't know if I can stay in the room. I. Okay. I know I've stayed at places where people have died, but. There's something again, like you're right. The whole insane asylum. When did they die? Like, where? What? What are we talking? What were the circumstances? What are the circumstances? Was it just like an old lady who passed away sadly, and that's right? Or was it a murder? Or was like suicide? suicide, That's just the worst too. Yeah. Did they open it up and they were sitting in a pentagram of blood? You never know. (laughs) Yeah. Totally not suspicious at all. (laughs) (laughs) They OD on like Tylenol, and when they throw up, it just like forms a perfect pentagram on the wall. You're like, yeah. Ooh, that's disgusting. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, there you go. Hotel Park Central. Well, thank you. I've been wanting to hear more about it. I have not done any of the research, obviously. And and since I know you're doing like the Burke Brews that I was going to hear it eventually. It's just one of the classic, classic Albuquerque uh, horror stories. And I don't know what inspired me to do it this time, but I just felt I would. And I think it's really cool to me because we had two friends who worked there. I don't know. That just makes it feel like a more important place. It, it adds a level of believability and truth to it that it is a creepy place and it's like a, just a unique thing a lot of our stories we we don't know anyone who'd even gone to some of these places so you know this one people actually we know worked there yeah completely adds another level of creepy and awesome it's so yeah. cool it's so cool heck yeah so i think that brings our episode to a close i agree i think i don't have anything else to share and this is quite a lengthy episode already that i'm gonna have to edit down i will we missed one last week so at least it's gonna be a nice long one to kick off the new year oh yes so thanks for joining us if you have any comments suggestions questions or personal scary stories that you want to share with us please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com we post episodes every weekend except for last weekend and cheers <laughs> to all of you who are drinking along with us tonight and for those of you listening to us who had too much fun last night and you are suffering today don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear bye see ya